Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Well, welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour. We always look forward to these visits on AM 950 WTLN. Jeff Sennis engineers our show each weekend, and Andrew Hurdliska produces it. And in this first half hour, H.B. Charles Jr. is with us from Jacksonville. He is uh, the pastor at Shiloh Metropolitan Baptist Church. Uh, Moody Press has put his new book out. It's called On Preaching. Personal and Pastoral Insights for the Preparation and Practice of Preaching. H.B., <clears throat> how you doing? Nice to join. have you join me. Thanks for having me all as well. Tell me about your new book. The new book is a collection of brief, but I think very practical and helpful articles about various subjects related to the study of Scripture, pulpit ministry, sermon preparation, and presentation. It's written for... Pastors in the trenches, new preachers, seasoned preachers who are trying to sharpen their skills. And I'm very excited about it, and I hope it'll be used wisely to help the preachers. Your introduction is called My Preaching Crisis. Uh, What happened? Yeah, this is an annual event for me. At some point every year, I just have this renewed burden to sharpen my skills as a preacher and teacher of the Word of God. It happens every year. It may be sparked by something different every time. And it leads me into my own personal quest to just get better. If uh, I'm not growing as a preacher, um, that's that's not good for any of us who handle the Word of God to kind of coast and take it easy. This past time, I responded by just writing out articles, which is really how the book began. I began writing articles about various subjects preaching that I felt like I needed to work on, think through, or get better in that area. And about halfway through, I noted that I might have something here that may be helpful to others. And uh, thankfully, Moody Publishers agreed. I want you to talk, first of all, about preparation for preaching. You tell us to preach the Word and finding time to study and developing a sermon calendar and sermon preparation. Fill us in on all of that and how it happens and why it's important. Sure. I think the first thing I should say about preaching is that this book is meant to encourage the exposition of the Word of God. There are different styles of preaching. One common style is a more topical flavor that begins with a subject, title, or idea, and then comes to the Scripture to find support for a predetermined idea. There are ways and times that can be done effectively and helpfully and faithfully, But the most faithful way to preach is to begin with the text of Scripture and let that be the foundation for the message, to unearth the meaning of the text and make sure you have a clear understanding of the singular God-intended point of that passage and to craft it in a clear and compelling message for the listener. Now, all of that is hard work. And that's why the other chapters about time and The work of preparation are included in the book because true, faithful Bible preaching doesn't grow on trees. It takes a man who's committed to handle rightly the word of truth. Why I pray before I preach and what I pray before I preach. Uh, What are you saying there? 
sure. Preaching and praying go together. I have a personal practice. My father was the first preacher I heard. I grew up under his preaching and met Jesus Christ through his preaching. It was not his custom to stand and publicly pray before he preached, but I do regularly. And I do it for both myself and for the congregation. When I stand, I need to be reminded of my dependence upon God in the preaching moment. And the congregation needs to know that they're not about to hear oratory or entertainment. We're about to hear from God. And that we cannot understand biblical truth with our finite minds without spiritual aid. So I do pray publicly before I preach. And that chapter is just the rationale behind that. And I pray that God will help me to speak the word with faithfulness, clarity, authority, wisdom, passion, humility, and freedom. H.B. Charles Jr., our guest from Jacksonville, we're talking about his new book, On Preaching. By the way, before we move to the second topic about the practice of preaching, uh, what is your advice to laymen about reading the Bible, H.B.? What, is your, what, what do you tell them? What's the best way to do it? Yeah, the first thing I would say to a layman is to do it. Read the Bible. Make it a priority. There are two pillars of spiritual devotion for the growth of the Christian, and that is prayer and Scripture. Which is more important? Well, when you are flying on an airplane, which is more important, the left wing or the right wing? (laughs) Both are essential if you're going to make it home safely. You need to have a plan for daily reading the Word of God. And you need to press your way through. Scripture reading and prayer are muscles. The reason why I uh, can't go into the gym today and lift a lot is because I don't go in the gym and lift. But the more you do it, the more you build muscles. And prayer and Scripture reading become muscles the more you do it. And it has a way of changing your appetite so that you can... uh, Learn to love the Word of God. So I would say do it daily. Get you a reading plan. Just Google Bible reading plans, and you'll find a plethora of plans to choose from, one that starts at the beginning and goes all the way through the end, or other plans that have um, sections of Old New Testament or different sections of Scripture to read for a little bit of variety. Just do it, and your soul will benefit from it. Part one, preparation for preaching, as H.B. Charles is sharing with us here. Now we get to the practice of preaching, and uh, you get into such topics as using Scripture in preaching, selecting a text to preach, consecutive exposition. Uh, Tell us how this all works. Sure. All of those chapters are all pointing to the same emphasis, I believe. I believe that you should use Scripture in preaching. I know that may seem an obvious thing, but if you're not careful, a sermon can be filled with uh, personal testimony, entertaining anecdote, uh, gut-wrenching stories, political theories, self-help advice, and so many other things without the Word of God. I believe faithful preaching is to read the text, explain the text, and exhort the text. I believe as well that in your preaching, you ought to start with a text of Scripture and let that be the guide point for the message. And the chapter on choosing a text for preaching is just practical advice about picking a text that is clear, something that you can handle, 
something that represents variety and consistency for those that are preaching to the same congregation week after week. And faithful exposition, I believe, most happens best through consecutive exposition, which is what I try to practice in my own pastoral ministry. Right now, I'm preaching through the book of Ephesians, taking a break for the summer. But after a month or so, we'll get right back into Ephesians, where we have started at chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll let the book carry out its train of thought until we get to the end at chapter 6. Is that the best way to do it, you think, one book at a time? I think it is the most faithful way. I think um, for variety, there ought to be a mixture of of both so that... um, your people are getting a sense of the various genres and sections of Scripture. But I think the um, lifting passages out of their context, here a little, there a little, and you don't get a sense of an argument. You know, it could be dangerous in just an interpersonal conversation for you to just take a sentence out of a conversation without getting the larger scope of the conversation. And we don't read any book like that. You don't read a newspaper article or a magazine article where you read one sentence at the end and then you go back and read one sentence at the beginning. You work your way from beginning to end. And I think that's the most faithful way to handle the Word of God. Our guest here on the Pat Williams <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Saturday Evening Power Hour is H.B. Charles Jr. His new book is out. It's called On Preaching, Personal and Pastoral Insights. <clears throat> for the preparation and practice of preaching. Moody Press put the book out. Uh, we have another session with H.B. Charles here on the Saturday Evening Power Hour. Just a reminder, it's AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Stay tuned all day long and all evening long to this amazing station here right in the heart of Central Florida. More with H.B. Charles Jr. First, these messages. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Remember last summer, the kids were home all day? Yeah. Remember watching them plow through bags of greasy chips and cookies? Look, trying to have them eat healthier snacks was smart, but carrot sticks and celery? You knew that wouldn't last. Well, this summer, you get a do-over, and NatureBox is going to make it easy for you. NatureBox.com is the ultimate snacker's paradise for people who care about what they eat and feed their families. NatureBox.com has over 120 delicious, nutritious, guilt-free snacks. We're talking sweet, savory, and spicy snacks your family will love. From honey macadamia pretzel pops to apple pie oat clusters, just select your snacks and NatureBox ships them to you for free. That's nutritious and wholesome snacks the family will love delivered free to your door. Go to naturebox.com slash save and enter promo code save to get 50% off your first NatureBox. That's promo code save at naturebox.com slash save naturebox.com slash save. Here's Martin Renforth, President of Above and Beyond AC. When you purchase any system or service from Above and Beyond AC, I'll send a check to your church for 10% of your purchase. No matter how large or small, I'll send 10% of the purchase directly to your church. That's the Above and Beyond 10% promise. At Above and Beyond AC, we know you have a lot of AC companies to choose from. We hope you'll choose us, but we encourage you to get two quotes. You'll find that our pricing is always transparent and competitive. Call 407-483-7945. 
404-785-5555 right now to schedule a no-cost replacement estimate for your air conditioning needs. That's 407-483-7945 for Above and Beyond AC. Remember the Above and Beyond 10% promise. When you purchase any system or service from Above and Beyond AC, we'll send a check to your church for 10% of your purchase. Call 407-483-7945 right now to schedule a no-cost replacement estimate for your air conditioning needs. Call 407-483-7945. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. H.B. Charles Jr. is with us. He's the pastor at Shiloh Metropolitan Baptist Church in Jacksonville. We're talking about his book on preaching, uh, part one, preparation for preaching. We're right in the middle now of the practice of preaching. H.B., uh, tell me your theory about preaching with or without notes. So I was a boy preacher, and I followed the model of my father, who was a full word-for-word manuscript preacher. And he... Uh, accepted an invitation for me as a boy preacher to speak at the youth service for one of his colleagues, but forgot to tell me. They came to pick me up, and I didn't know I was preaching, and I didn't have a manuscript. And that was the worst feeling in the world, on one hand. (laughs) But then on the other hand, I basically preached, I was a boy preacher, the story of David and Goliath, and I knew the story. And I knew what I wanted to say about the story. So at the other end of this experience, I learned that I could communicate without being a slave to notes in front of me. And so over the years of my own ministry, I have written out a full manuscript because I think accuracy and clarity are important in the pulpit moment. I don't want to be in the pulpit searching for words. I want to write myself clear and think through what I want to say. But I think there is a power in the freedom of communicating without being a slave to notes in your preaching. So I have practiced over the years preaching without manuscript, but what I advise for the young men around me and those who read the book is that you write yourself clear in a manuscript, and then you pare it down to minimal notes to take to the pulpit so that you can remember your train of thought or quote a reference that you need for clarity's sake, but also have a sense of freedom where there's eye contact, a sense of conversation in the preaching, and a freedom in the preaching moment without being a slave to notes in front of you. Preparation for preaching, the practice of preaching. Point three, and this is a fascinating one, points of wisdom for preaching. Uh, Number one point I want you to talk about, being yourself in the pulpit. So I remember as a young preacher, uh, I was preaching at an event where there were a lot of preachers there. A, I had stolen the sermon from one of my favorite preachers. <laughs> and B, I was not only stealing his sermon, I was trying to imitate him in the preaching moment. And several pastors were yelling out, instead of amen, they were yelling out, Say it, Jasper! Preach, Jasper! And it was the most em- embarrassing thing to me. Of course, my name is H.B., not Jasper. <laughs> but mm. but the question is, who was in the pulpit that day, H.B. or Jasper Williams? And that was a great lesson to me. My father taught me, and it took me years to learn this, that there are other guys who could beat me being Jasper Williams or John Piper or Chuck Swindoll, 
but no one can beat me being H.B. Charles Jr. Mm. And faithful preaching happens when I just be who I am, be who God called me to be. Don't try to be a cheap carbon imitation of somebody else. Faithful preaching happens when it is authentic to who you are. Developing your style of preaching, how do you do it? Yeah, that's connected to the matter of imitating others. I think when you're a new preacher, you kind of just fall into imitating the practices of those that you respect in preaching. But I think it's important for you to develop your own voice so that you're just not an echo of other guys. And that happens basically, I think, one big way, the more you preach and the more you write out what you want to say uh, and let the text be the guide, not, not seeking out a style, but seeking clarity in the text. R. Kent Hughes said this, and I really believe this, that clarity is its own style. If you seek to be faithful to the text, if you secondly seek to be as clear as possible, and if you keep practicing those two things, I think over time, your own sense of your voice will develop and emerge naturally without you trying to chase down a particular style of preaching. How about pulpit consistency? Yes. So those that are home run hitters are also typically guys in baseball who strike out a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't want to be a preacher who, who from Sunday to Sunday is either striking out or hitting a home run. You know, what helps the team is if you can just get on base. And in pastoral ministry, I think that's the better way to think about preaching. Uh, There are times where uh, that sermon is a single, it may be a triple the next week. Sometimes, frankly, I might have to lean into a pitch just to get on base some Sundays. But the goal is to be consistent from week to week. Your people ought to have a consistent diet of the Word of God. And every now and then, let it be a home run. But the goal is to be a good, faithful, sound diet of the Word of God that you're delivering to your people from week to week. How about uh, pulpit plagiarism? Is that a big problem? It is. I actually have a new podcast on iTunes called On Preaching. And one of the first episodes was on this matter, because I've been reading a lot online about what may be an epidemic, particularly because of the rise of the Internet and how easy it is to pull away other people's material. I really do think there's an ethical matter at stake here. I think you ought to prepare your own work. If God has called you to preach, he will give you something to say. The Word of God is not proprietary. There's no, you know, there's, I feel like if there's anything I can say in preaching that can be a help to another preacher, that's fine. If my, if my bullets fit your gun, put them in there and shoot them to the glory of God. But you don't want to be merely the echo of another man's voice. If God has called you to preach, he'll give you something to say. And so you ought to strive to dig your own well so you don't have to steal other people's water. Protecting your voice for preaching. How do, how do you do that, H.B.? Sure. Um, I read a story about a Puritan pastor who died young. And on his deathbed, he said that God has given me a message and a horse. And I have killed 
the horse, what will happen now to the message? The bodies God gives us really represents that horse that we ride to deliver the message. And it's important that we care for our bodies in general and our voices in particular. I'm not suggesting you be neurotic about that, but make sure you get the rest (laughs) that you need and other practical things so that when you stand to preach, you can give him a prepared message, a consecrated heart, and a rested body that is ready to deliver the Word of God. The next topic I want you to talk about is being a guest preacher. There's a chapter there that I think is full of helpful advice, but I could summarize being a guest preacher in one statement. Do not create a mess for the pastor to clean up after you leave. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's as simple as that. You want to be an aide to the host or to the pastor who has invited you to the church event, conference, school, or whatever. And if you don't feel comfortable with what they are trying to accomplish and use you to accomplish, then don't accept the invitation. But don't go with your own agenda. That will be a harm to a pastor, particularly in a local church, who has to carry out an ongoing ministry and who has given you the sacred trust of sharing his pulpit with you. Find out what the expectations of that host is and try to be a good guest. I'm going to tell you if you come to my house, make yourself at home, but that doesn't mean you can climb in my bed and put on my clothes. Uh, you want to honor the invitation as a guest and make sure you are not disrespecting the host in any way. Now, the next topic I want you to get into is being an associate minister. Absolutely. There is a great line from the late Adrian Rogers that I like to quote. He simply says that if you're going to get over what God has put under you, you've got to learn how to get under what God has put over you. And so the role of an associate minister really is to learn to be faithful where you are. If God cannot trust you on a staff, how can he trust you with the staff? And so I think you should serve your pastor. You should take every opportunity to preach or teach the Word of God. It may not be on Sunday morning. It may be a Sunday school class, but don't diminish that opportunity. The Bible uh, says in Second Timothy 3, verse 17, that a commitment to the Word of God will make you competent and equipped for every good work. Take advantage of every opportunity. Be a shadow for your pastor. Uh, See what you can learn by just being with him. Some of it will be good. Some of it will be things you should not follow. But those can be informal lessons to prepare you for whatever promotion God would call you to in your own ministry. H.B. Charles Jr. is our guest. We're talking about his book, On Preaching. Next topic, H.B., When you lose your cutting edge, what happens here? 2 Kings chapter 6 is the story of a school of young prophets that are training under Elijah the prophet. They, to make more room, began building a new dormitory. And one of the young men, who is feverishly swinging his axe, feels the shaft go light in his hand, And he cries out, alas, Master, for he was borrowed as he sees his axe head drop into the water. And really, there are times in ministry where you are diligently, energetically, passionately chopping down wood, and you lose your cutting edge. I guess in many instances, it doesn't happen all at once. 
It probably happens little by little as we are not paying attention to the care of our tool. But I love the fact that when that young man lost his axe head, he stopped swinging. (laughs) And there are times when we lose our cutting edge that uh, we need to stop swinging. If he would have kept swinging with the axe head in the water, he would have just been beating the wood, not cutting the wood. And that's what many of us find ourselves doing in ministry when we don't pull away to recharge our own batteries, to make sure our heart and mind is in good communion with God so that our labor for him is from the overflow of our personal devotion. There will be times when you lose your cutting edge. Stop and get reconnected to God so that you can be faithful and effective in the service that he's called you to. And now... You close out your book, uh, close to the end. Do you want to be somebody with a question mark? What is that all about? As a young pastor, a mentor of mine came to preach for me. It was a great honor. Denominational leaders and other important city pastors had come to hear him, and they were all courting me that if I participated in this group and that group, um, it, it would get my name out there. I could get promoted in various organizations. But he sat and told me that night in front of these men that God had opened this door, that door, and the other door for him, and he was not a member of any of these groups. He had just committed himself to being a faithful pastor and preacher. And just focusing on the Word of God, doors open for him. And he challenged me that night, are you going to be a committed student of the Word of God, or are you going to spend your ministry trying to be somebody? It was what convicting conversation and an important conversation that shaped the future of my ministry. And I write that chapter to say to men, don't try to be somebody. Don't try to make a name for yourself. Don't try to build your own kingdom. Be faithful to the calling God has given to you. And he knows how to open doors that no one can shut, and he knows how to shut doors that no one can open. And then you close your book, The Bottom Line of Christian ministry. What is it? The bottom line of Christian ministry is 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present your God, to yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Business is all about the bottom line. Even in school and in sports, championships, diplomas, graduation, represent the bottom line. Christian ministry has a bottom line, and that is make sure your life is pleasing to God, make sure your work is well done, and make sure you rightly handle the word of truth as taught in 2 Timothy 2.15. H.B. Charles has been our guest, H.B. Charles Jr. The book is on preaching. It's a good one. Moody Press put it out. H.B., a million thanks. I'm so glad we could visit. It was an honor to be with you. Thanks. We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour on AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it.
The next time you could use a pick-me-up, head over to Godvine.com for uplifting and inspirational videos that you'll truly love. Join the millions of Christians from around the world who watch and share Godvine videos each day. They know that Godvine videos are specially chosen to bring joy and share the love of God and the wonder of His creations. For the very best Christian videos, visit us today at Godvine.com. Have you ever heard God's whisper? Sometimes it's easier to see where God whispered to us when we look back in time, but more difficult in the moment. This may be one of those times. If you or someone you know is pregnant, adoption is a positive alternative and a truly brave decision you don't need to make alone. Life for Kids is a private, nonprofit, Christian and licensed adoption agency serving women who are pregnant, their unborn babies, and the adoptive families who are praying you will choose life. Life for Kids offers compassionate counseling, adoption planning, information, and support. Have you considered adopting? Life for Kids serves Christian couples called by God to adopt, and they've placed children into loving Christian homes for over 20 years. Is this the whisper you've been waiting for? Adoption is a positive choice. Life for Kids will walk with you on your adoption journey. Visit lifeforkids.com. That's lifeforkids.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. H.B. Charles Jr., our guest from Jacksonville, Florida, talking about his new book on preaching. We go from Jacksonville, Florida to Lincoln, Nebraska. Michael Ross, along with Dr. Arnie Cole, have put out a terrific book, Worry-Free Living. Find relief from anxiety and stress for you and your family. Mike, nice of you to join me. How you oh, doing? Oh, thank you. It's great being with you today. Hope things are good in Lincoln. They are. Yes. Great summer. Well, <clears throat> I guess the issue here is worry-free living. Is worry that big a deal in our country? Yes, it is. In fact, the American Psychological Association says this, that America is at a critical crossroads when it comes to stress in our health. And they go on to say that most of us are suffering from moderate to high stress these days, with 44% reporting that their stress levels have increased over the past five years. And uh, we've conducted, uh, you know, an ongoing study of more than 100,000 Christians all over North America, Canada, and different parts of the world. And worry has really risen to the top uh, as, as a problem for Christian families and something that, you know, families are just getting stuck in and, and individuals and singles and just across the board, people feel worried and Christians feel just as worried as the, the rest of the world. What are we worried about? A wide variety of things, but uh, a good dozen issues, you know, again, surfaced from our study. Uh, everything from personal finances, work-related stresses, uh, family, parenting, relationships, health concerns, body image and appearance among, as you can imagine, children and, and teens, you know, temptations and addictions, social acceptance. Um, these are some of the top things that... Um, Christian families are worried about. For husbands, it tends to be personal finances. How am I going to make ends meet, it, you know, in, the, in this very difficult economy? Is my job 
stable? You know, am I going to have a job tomorrow? Uh, for many wives, uh, it, it's relationship driven. Um, I'm worried about my son or daughter. I'm worried about the influences on, on his or her life. I'm worried about my, my husband. Um, so these are the top worries. Your book consists of 11 chapters, so let's dig in. Chapter 1, A Toxic Web of What If a People in Need of Relief. This book, you know, is a wonderful marriage between uh, stories and medicine, a little bit of psychology in there, and a whole lot of the Bible. It's very much Bible-driven. Uh, 288 pages. It's, it's a very easy read. That sounds intimidating, uh, but it's, it's an easy read. And, uh, you know, again, it's story-driven, and we, we begin by looking at real families, real people uh, who uh, really are in need of relief. They're asking that question, what if? You know, what if I fail? What if, uh, you know... Our family collapses. You know, what if uh, I lose my job? What if people don't accept me? So we begin right there with that core question that so many of us ask, and that's really at the root of worry. Uh, what if we ruminate on things that we can't control? And so that's where we, be- we begin with this. Second topic, in the grip of fear, what if the unthinkable actually happened? We take a look at uh, a young man by the name of Brian Skuntrawat, and he's from Washington State. And uh, Brian had a handsome guy, and he uh, w- was planning to marry his sweetheart and um, <clears throat> had his parents' blessing, a very solid Christian man. Well, the unthinkable happened to him. Ninety percent of his body ended up burning uh, in, in, a, in a horrible explosion, um, lost his limbs, at lost his eyesight. Um, you know, the doctors really gave him a zero chance of recovery, but um, <clears throat> his family uh, really bathed him in prayer and just stayed by his side, and he recovered from this and ended up, today he's walking now. He still can't see, but um, he ended up marrying his, his high school sweetheart. She really stayed by his side. But, you know, the one thing about Brian is he is so committed to his God, you know, he's so committed to Jesus. And, and he said, you know, God has done this for a reason. I don't get it, but I love the Lord, and he's, he's using my life to touch the lives of others. And, you know, so in his case, it was the unthinkable that actually happened. But it's a very rare case. I mean, for most of us, the things we worry about really never happen. We worry about spider bites, you know. We worry about, like I said, losing our job or those kinds of things, and, and uh, they, they don't happen all that often. So the things we worry about typically don't. In this case, here's someone where it did, but he's okay. He's come through the other side. God is with him, and he's praising the Lord. Now I want you to get to the third topic, a peek at what's bugging us, stress points of husbands, wives, kids, and adult children. Yeah, that's where we take a look at those issues that I summarized just a little bit earlier, and we kind of drill down into that and, and um, you know, really essentially let our readers know, you're not alone. You know, um, we Christians are not supposed to worry. The Bible tells us, 
do not worry. Uh, but yet we are. And then we feel, <clears throat> excuse me, we feel a whole lot of shame because we are worried. And, you know, and we have people trying to give us good advice. Sometimes it's, it's not so good telling us, oh, just have more faith. Oh, just pray. When, when sometimes those issues are physiological, sometimes there are things that are out of control in, in our minds and in our bodies. And, and we do need to uh, seek medical help first. Uh, sometimes that might mean, uh, you know, a caring pastor that we talk to, maybe even a therapist. Sometimes it involves medication, although we, we, we caution people to not pop a pill to solve your problems, because that's not going to solve your problem. But, uh, you know, again, um, we, we, we break this down. We let people know, uh, don't hide behind a mask. If you're worried and you're a Christian, you're not alone. Let, let, let's, take, let's take a look at this and begin this journey together, looking at why you're worried. And, and let's, let's begin those steps getting out of worry. Then you move to another topic. My guest is Mike Ross. How much of a worry ward am I? An assessment quiz for self and every family member. What are you doing here, Mike? That's right. Well, readers can customize this book, really. I mean, in this chapter, you can take a self-assessment quiz, or we call it a My Worry Profile. You can take a look at where you fall on the worry scale, you know, from mild uh, to moderate to high to all the way into panic disorder. And, and so, again, this is all about um, self-awareness, not so much, you know, dishing out medical advice. No, we're going to leave that to the doctors, you know, and, and, and you know, working with individuals case by case. But uh, this is a place to get you thinking, to get you looking at what you're so worried about. And then later in the book, we help you to break that apart and look at why you're so worried. And, and you know, again, the, we lead you toward those steps toward becoming worry-free. My guest is Michael Ross. Uh, he and his writing partner, Dr. Arnie Cole, have put the book out, Worry-Free Living, Finding Relief from Anxiety and Stress for You and Your Family. Another interesting sub-point, clear steps for breaking the free fear-worry-stress cycle based on a 100,000-plus nationwide survey, tools for finding Bible-based solutions, encouragement, and advice for the entire family. Next topic, Mike. It's not just a lack of faith physical and emotional processes at work. That's right. We kick off this chapter with a story about a young woman named Brianna. And Brianna, again, um, very hopeful future, very good shape. She was a paramedic. She was training to be a firefighter, um, lived in rural Nebraska, was heading down a country road when she was run off that road by another speeding truck. As she tumbled down into a ditch, she was, you know, uh, flung out of the truck and uh, broke her back. And uh, the, the people who ran her off the road stopped their truck, looked down at her, and then crawled back in their truck and took off and mm. left her for dead. I mean, what a traumatic experience. There she was, alone, by herself, with a broken back. Well, um, this story has a good ending as well. Um, she ended up, someone came by, got her to the hospital, uh, went through surgery, went through a year of rehabilitation. Um, she's you know, not pursuing a career as a firefighter, but um, she's married, she's doing other things, she's really gotten her life back. But a good couple of years, you know, into her, her marriage, she began to have panic attacks, and she had trouble sleeping. And she, uh, you know, went to people in the church, and the people in the church said, you just pray more, let's pray this away. Well, she realized that she was dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder. So, you know, yes, 
prayer works. Yes, God can do anything, but he's given us intelligence. He's given us minds. He's given us, you know, you know, medical help. And so that's exactly what she needed to do, become self-aware, take a look at what's going on with her so that the Lord can walk her through it and help her through uh, what was, was happening. She ended up having to take some medication for a period of time, but once she knew that it wasn't, you know, something that's that, that's just really wrong with her. It was just something she couldn't control that was happening in her brain. Then she was able to do something about it, and, and she's, she's, you know, moving toward a worry-free life today despite that trauma. Facing down a monster, how adrenaline fuels the fear-worry-stress cycle. This chapter, we kick off with a story about whitewater rafting in Colorado. In fact, it's pretty exciting. It's something I love doing. Uh, when I worked at Focus on the Family for many years, I took fathers and sons down uh, the river, uh, Arkansas River in Colorado, and, and uh, it would be a wonderful time of adventure together, and the whole thing would culminate with a blessing, dads blessing their sons. And uh, so I tell one of those stories, and during one of our campfire uh, times, um, you know, many dads and sons would talk about how their lives felt like being on that that whitewater, that they're running at 100 miles an hour. You know, it's constantly go, go, go from the minute they get up to the minute they go to bed. And uh, they're so wired and plugged in in this technological world that we can't seem to unplug. And that puts us in this adrenaline-filled state. You know, it's one thing to feel that adrenaline on a river while you're whitewater rafting, but it's entirely different to feel that day in and day out, you know, at work and at home. And, and, you know, what we've discovered from a science standpoint, it, it really it happens in our brains. The sympathetic nervous system turns on the fight-or-flight response, while the parasympathetic nervous system promotes the relaxation response. And in healthy people, these work in harmony, turning on and off. And what we're discovering, what uh, psychologists are discovering, is that this is turning on for many families, and it's not shutting off. So in other words, there's that adrenaline connection that's leading us into stress and into anxiety. You know, the, 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 the sympathetic nervous system is rushing that adrenaline into us. We, we feel that caffeinated state, that sort of Starbucks state, and we live there, and we, we don't come down from that, and that's so unhealthy. And so we talk about this in this chapter, the need uh, to, to, to unplug the adrenaline and to unplug from, from that state, uh, you know, and to take those clear steps to find peace, you know, in your life. And we, we lay that out and show readers how to do that. And now we get to sleepless nights, anxious days, when a struggling faith is the issue. We take a look at a, uh, a single mom in Napa, Idaho, uh, who, where faith is, is the issue. Um, she's a Christian, yet she's just so full of doubt. She has not fully surrendered her life to the Lord. Um, she's having troubles trusting having troubles, you know, letting go of the things in her life, the problems, the issues, the memories from, from the past. Um, and so in her case, you know, faith is the issue. And uh, we teach readers in this chapter that, you know what, there's a lie we've all been fed, and that lie is that I'm in control of my destiny. Um, you know, there's one thing to be responsible you know, and to work hard and have that good, solid work ethic, that's important, yes. But it's another thing to realize that I'm not in control of it. If we're Christians, the Lord is in control. Do we believe that? Do we trust that? Are we able to surrender to Him? When a crisis hits, when something goes wrong, um, 
do we try to hang on to that situation and try to solve that ourselves, or do we turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I, I need you. I can't solve this. I can't do this. And that's the place where we need to be, a place of surrender. And so we talk about that in this chapter. We got about a minute, less than a minute here, Mike. I want you to close with <clears throat> toward right thinking, a mind-body-spirit approach to de-stressing and calming down. You know, that sounds a little scary to some people when we think mind, body, spirit, but it's actually biblical. Nothing scary about this at all. It's really common sense. And it's taking a look at different aspects of our lives, our diet, our aerobic health, our need for relaxation, our need for sleep, our overall lifestyle, looking at what, what's going on in our brains, as I mentioned before, um, you know, some of those disorders that can happen. It all starts, maybe that adrenaline connection, taking a look at what we're do, putting into our bodies, you know, you know, are we putting a lot of adrenaline and alcohol into our bodies? Or, you know, are we putting, you know, food that's going to energize us and help us? And then our spiritual lives. You know, we often neglect that. We're running from one thing to another, and we neglect the very place that we need right to the Lord. Michael Ross has been our guest on the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour, AM 950 WTLN. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your hosts, Dr. Daniel Forbes and Dr. John Brooks. Families by Designs airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 950 WTLN. If strenuous activity like chores, sports, or work is in your day's forecast, then muscle pain probably is too. Better get prepared by picking up a can or two of Salon Paws Chest Spray. Salon Paws Chest Spray has two powerful pain-fighting ingredients that you spray right where it hurts. It goes on clear, dries fast, and relieves pain for hours and hours. Look for the blue can with the blue cap. Salon Paws, powerful relief when and where you need it. Use as directed. Disruptive may be just another overused buzzword, but disruptions in business like network downtime, data loss, social media abuse, and limited bandwidth are downright disruptive. For businesses large or small, Barracuda Networks offers powerful, affordable, yet easy-to-implement content security, application delivery, and data protection solutions, all designed to prevent disruptions and simplify IT. For an online demo or to try any of our security or storage solutions risk-free for 30 days, visit barracuda.com slash disruptive. Pray. Pray for people you know who don't know Jesus. And get ready. Get ready for My Hope 2014 with Billy Graham. God worked powerfully through My Hope last year. I I submitted my life that night to Jesus Christ. Now your church can be part of My Hope 2014 this fall. It features a new message from Billy Graham. Pre-order the DVD today. Then help your church plan its own My Hope outreach because your church knows the best way to reach your community. Go to myhopewithbillygraham.org. Listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. We're back for more here on the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour. Uh, Michael Ross is our guest, and we're talking about the new book that he has co authored, Worry Free Living. Uh, Mike, in your last segment here, part three, Happy, Hopeful, and Whole, three important topics I want you to cover. First of all, 
the cure or the antidote for a worried spouse, practical ways married couples can support each other. There are so many different practical things that we discuss in this chapter, but one, I'll pull one out and, and talk about it, and that's really the need to connect and the need for communication. seems like a no-brainer. Couples should be doing this. Again, we live, you know, such adrenaline-filled lives. We're so plugged into our computers and, you know, and, and our work and, and other things that we often aren't plugged into each other very well, and we don't really know what's going on. And so one of, one of the things we talk about is communication. You know, my wife does that with me. She reads me. She knows when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling worried, and, and she'll sit down and, and just say, okay, let's just unplug everything and let's talk about this. Let's take a look at what's going on. And there's power in that, just um, two people connecting and communicating and, and one person listening to the other who is dealing with, you know, maybe some, some tough issues. So listening, communicating, a huge key for, for spouses. And then how to help an anxious child, what parents must do, know and do. This chapter, we take a look uh, at, at different stages of childhood, you know, from, uh, you know, preschoolers, you know, all the way through the elementary and junior high and high school years. And we take a look at what, what parents can, can, can look for, you know, and the, the younger kids, uh, believe it or not, we found kids as young as, as three caught up in this fear, worry, stress cycle. Um, and we caution parents to that and talk about what they can look for. You know, it might be an issue of soiling or maybe they're not eating or they're not sleeping well as they should. These are things to look at. They, you know, a kid that young can't always articulate what's going on inside. So parents need to read them and, and, and really help them to talk it through. Then, of course, we take uh, that same idea with junior hires and high schoolers. You know, we, we cater some... Uh, discussion points, you know, for high school kids. You know, if you've got a uh, young man who, uh, you know, is withdrawing and just, you know, is not very social, he's not talking, well, you need to take some steps and look at what's, what's going on there. And so we guide parents through that. Then I want you to talk about meeting a millennial at their point of need, nurturing the planet's most stressed out generation. You said it, the most stressed out generation. You know, it's interesting, people in this age group, you know, going to college for, you know, it feels like, you know, 10 years or so, <laughs> you know, and, and getting, a, you know, two masters and a PhD, but yet they're flipping burgers, you know, somewhere. They can't seem to get a job. You know, there's so much competition and there's so much stress, you know, uh, you know from an economy standpoint, um, not finding a job that matches their goals and their dreams. And, and so we talk about that, you know, in this chapter. We take a look at other issues. Uh, you know, when you have an adult child, that child is now on their own, but sometimes there are some issues from the past that um, are unresolved. And so we, you know, encourage parents to take a look at that and, and begin to open the communication, you know, with this generation. And, and they are the most stressed out generation. So take a look at the signs and t- take a look at ways that you can reach out and nurture and help, actually help this, this generation. And then uh, at the end of the book... You've got a Bible study, 30 Days to a Peaceful Home. Uh, what are you asking people to do here? This is ideal for individual study. 
or it's something that a family can do together. In fact, we created that that way that you know families uh, you know often aren't having devotions together as they should. Well, we've given you a chance with this book, Thirty Days to a Peaceful Home. You can sit down, you know, husbands and wives and your kids. And very easy uh, to read through a scripture for that day, and and then it gets you thinking. There are discussion points, and it it all kind of, you know, goes back to the topic of fear and worry and surrender. You know, learning to surrender to God, and so this is a, a great opportunity for families to have devotions together. Churches can use this as well. You can do a whole study, you know, a month-long study or two-month-long study on on the topic of worry and what the Bible says, and cell groups and Bible study groups and Sunday school groups can, can benefit from this. What's the difference, by the way, Mike, between worry, anxiety, and stress? Glad you asked that question, uh, because you know they're very similar and they overlap, but uh, yet they are in fact, different. Worry has to do with our thoughts, you know, uh, that, that what-if question that we ask, that we, we ruminate, you know, we ruminate on that what-if question, and, and we feel out of control, and, and we're trying to control something, and we don't know what to do, and we feel a lot of fear because of that. Anxiety connects with our emotions. Um, and then um, stress is really a result of our, our circumstances. It's often our body's reaction to worry and anxiety, and there's that adrenaline connection that I talked about a little bit earlier that's kind of mixed into that. And, you know, there's good stress and there's bad stress. You know, the good stress uh, kind of motivates us to get going, to meet that deadline, get that job done. You know, that's not such a bad thing. The bad stress is when we, again, connect it into worry, we're ruminating, um, we're so worried, sick about something, that, and, and we're not letting go, and that adrenaline is coursing through our bodies, and we're not, not coming down from that. Um, let me read you a, a quote from an expert on this whole adrenaline connection to worry and stress. It's from uh, Dr. Archibald Hart. He says, you must come down from the hills of stress and into the valleys of rest on a daily basis. You know, essentially our bodies are not designed uh, for a continual state of fear, worry, and anxiety, but instead for continual tranquility with short bursts of adrenaline. And so we unlock that in this book and take a look at it and, again, um, guide readers through common sense biblical steps. Michael Ross, our guest. So, Michael, once someone has managed their worry and anxiety... How do you prevent from falling back into old patterns and habits? Pretty hard to do because life is, you know, what it is. And, uh, you know, chances are you're probably going to fall back into it from time to time. Um, but at least you have the tools to manage it. You know, be becoming worry-wise is important toward becoming worry-free. And so you will go through some stressful times. The Bible tells us that. But at least you've developed the skills that will help you work through it and help you to not get stuck and help you to hand all this over to the Lord so that he can begin begin that healing in you. Talk to me about uh, the importance of some sort of a workout program, and, and where does uh, diet fit into all this? It is absolutely huge. And so, you know, in, in Chapter 8, Toward Right Thinking, you know, where we talk about the mind-body-spirit approach to de-stressing and, and calming down, we, we uh, you know, unlock this. Um, take a look at your diet. You know, take a look at what, what kinds of foods you're putting into your body and think about this. That's fuel for your body, but uh, if you're not fueling your body properly, if you're, you know, putting too much sugar 
into your body or processed foods, that's going to harm you. You know, too much fatty foods, that's going to hurt you. And so we talk about the importance of having a good diet and, and coupling that with exercise. You know, uh, I'm a writer. I'm an author. And so I spend a lot of time, you know, at my computer screen writing, and I don't get nearly the, the exercise that I need. I have to force myself to get up and get my body moving. And I found when I do that, when I just take a walk, when I get on the treadmill, when I go for a swim with, with my son in the pool, um, when I do these things, you know, it burns off some of that stress. I, I feel so much better. My body works better when I'm careful about not putting too much caffeine into my body. I love Starbucks, but I'm telling you, uh, I, I can only have a cup in the morning. <laughs> you know, I have to be careful about putting caffeine in my body and, and you know, drink uh, water and, and, uh, and sleep. That's another huge issue. So many of us aren't getting the proper sleep that we need, so we talk about this as well. Give me a 30-second wrap-up. Well, look. I love this scripture from Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, and it says, this is from Jesus, he's talking, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This book is grounded on that promise. Michael Ross, our guest. Thanks a million, Mike. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Great being with you as well. We have a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Hello, everybody. Alan Thicke here. You know, our nation's tax laws change every year. The one constant is you have to pay them. Now, if you're one of those millions of Americans who owes back taxes, you know that the IRS is cracking down. They can garnish your paycheck, levy your bank accounts, even your home or business could be up for grabs. But here's the good news. They're offering a new way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, a government program for tax debt forgiveness. You could qualify for a settlement that's substantially less than before these changes. And nobody knows this program better than the experts at Optima Tax Relief. Their attorneys and enrolled agents will work to get you the best deal possible. Optima Tax Relief is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call them now for a free consultation. Call 800-711-5743. That's 800-711-5743. 800-711-5743. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Thanks for joining us again this Saturday here. We do this every weekend and always happy to have you with us. Uh, Our guest in the first half hour, H.B. Charles Jr., uh, talking about his book, On Preaching. Uh, He joined us from Jacksonville. And then Mike Ross was with us. Uh, Had a good visit with Michael a Worry-Free Living, the book that he has co-authored. Uh, I invite you to visit my website. It's patwilliams.com, the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. Uh, my latest book is out. It is called How to Be the Ultimate Teammate. Uh, we look at the 15 qualities that it takes to be a great teammate, uh, sports and beyond. Uh, visit uh, amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com. Uh, 
great way to order books. In the meantime, uh, have a terrific day tomorrow with your family in church and a wonderful week ahead. And we're back next weekend for the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour on AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 950 WTLN.